program created by Rio Grande. San Diego Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 172. They are on the lookout for two men described as soldiers. Last seen driving Dodge touring cars. One man has a deep voice. Thought to be heading for Mexican border. He's been a killer, that's all. times around the world. What a test for Japanese. That's the police car performance test. Run for you by your police car. Fire engines, ambulances, and emergency equipment last year. That's Rio Grande's truck gasoline performance. Almost all gasolines are advertised as having more power, more pickup, more mileage. But no test compares with the operation of emergency equipment. For police cars like your own, have long, smooth, cruising miles that must be economical. They start and stop in traffic all day long. But when those accelerators go down to the floor and the sirens open wide, it's Rio Grande cracks gasoline and only Rio Grande that powers more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment wherever it is sold than any other brand. Fifty million miles. That should be the test to end all tests for gasoline as far as you are concerned. When those to whom gasoline performance means the most, overwhelmingly choose Rio Grande Track. And remember, Rio Grande's 50 million mile tests are run with the same gasoline that you can buy at your independent Rio Grande dealer. Tonight, it is our pleasure to present Captain Harry J. Kelly, Chief of Detectives of the San Diego Police Department, Captain Kelly. Good evening. The case you will hear tonight is an excellent example of what happens when human beings make the mistake of taking a first step on the wrong side of the law. One small thing leads to another until a final and cautious error is made. That has taken another human's life. The men who find themselves assigned the job of running a criminal and tonight's story down, discovered that they had bitten off almost more than they could chew. It was more than a tough job. It was a seeming impossibility. However, because part of our early training in the importance of hanging on to a clue, no matter how thin it may seem, these officers managed to push aside the obstacles in their way and eventually accomplish the impossible, that of bringing their men back to face justice. It was a long chase and a hard one, but it proved very definitely that in a final analysis, Crime is a poor, paid business. It is the morning of January 10th, 1918. John C. Sheldon, line man for the Consolidated Gas and Electric Company of San Diego, and two members of his crew are repairing a telephone line. The sun, shining brightly, throws shadows of eucalyptus trees, clearly on the warm surface of a paved road. The sun, the heat, after a long siege of winter rain, creates a relaxing atmosphere. The men long to be finished with the job, long to rest during their noon hour. Sheldon is perched on the cross arm of a telephone pole. The others are waiting below. Are you going to want a new insulator for that line, Sheldon? No, the insulator's all right. 
The line itself is just losing a little. I'll get it in a minute. You drew a tight in you, though. You can put it any time you want as far as I'm concerned. I'm hungry. I want to sit down in the sun and eat for days and days and days. Some nice cool milk and good sandwiches. <laughs> the things to me are always hungry. Well, I've got to keep going some way. I'll bet you old Shelton will just as soon as that's out in the sun for a while. Isn't that right, Shelton? What's that? I was just saying that this is a sort of a lazy day. Yeah, you're right. I'm just as finished now. We can rest for a while. Ah, say, this is a swell day, all right. Quiet, peaceful. <laughs> hey, there's a guy that has the right idea. Stretched out in the grass over there. He looks like he's out like a light. Oh, that's the life. Nothing to do but sleep. And... Hey, wait a minute. You can't be sleeping like that. His face is right in the dirt. Huh? Yeah. You guys take a run over there and see what's wrong with him. Okay. Come on, Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there he is. Hey, this guy's dead with all in the back of his head. Ooh. You better call a police, Shelton. Yeah. Well, wait, wait till I tap this wire and see if I can get through a, a line in the police headquarters. Asking upon this information, Chief Hayes of the San Diego Police Department immediately sends Detective Lieutenant Terry Kelly and James Patrick to the scene. Accompanied by Chief of Police S.P. McMullen and Captain of Detectives Joseph Myers. The men make a search. From the body, they remove several letters in the wallet, which establishes the victim's identity as being one Frank McCurry, a San Diego taxi driver. Tire marks show where a car has been driven off the road. Stop. Turned around. Headed back on the highway, going east. And slim as this leads, seems Myers and Curry to the truck. Finish the investigation of the murder scene, then return to headquarters. The first move is to check on McCrary's actions as far as possible, and accordingly, Sergeant Joseph Lopez is assigned to task. His initial step is to interrogate a cab driver friend of McCrary. Is your name registered? Yeah, but if you're a salesman, you're wasting your time. I'm very busy. Now, wait a minute. I'm sorry that you're busy, but I'll have to take some of your time. I would be interested in anything. Wait a minute, will you? from the police, Detective Lopez, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, are you sure you had the right place? I'm sure I didn't do nothing. Well, just calm down for a minute. I'll tell you what I want. Why don't you some questions about Frank McCrary, you know? Frank McCrary? Oh, yes, I know Frank McCrary. Is he coming into trouble? I didn't think he ever did anything wrong. Well, McCrary was killed last night. Killed? Yeah. Did his family know about it? They live right down the street. I thought everybody liked McCrary. Who did it? Just a minute, will you? We don't know who did it. We found it on the road to Lemon Grove with a bullet hole in his head. And it seems funny to me that anyone... Dead. Um, everybody likes him. Now, look, you keep your cat near McCrary. Yeah, but I assure you, I didn't see nobody who did it. We all like McCrary. Well, did you see him last night? No, I was busy driving a couple of soldiers. Uh, say, wait a minute. Where did you say they found McCrary? Up on the road to Lemon Grove. He was just off the side with some grass and wheat. The road to Lemon Grove. Lemon Grove? Yeah. That's what Brown study about. I was thinking about them soldiers. And about Frank being found on that now, same road. Now, Mr. Register, you've got something to tell me. How about coming out of it a minute and talking? Well, I had a couple of soldiers uh, out that way last night, you see. About halfway to Lemon Grove, they got on my nerves, and I pulled a bag and brought them back. They both had blue cap cords. What, cap cords got to do with it? Oh, I don't know. Only I just happened to remember them, that's all. I see. Well, look, suppose you tell me just what these two soldiers did from the time you picked them up on. Can you do that? 
Well, I did not step into the lake because my wife's been sick. She had an operation. Uh, I guess I need to come. No, up. no, don't bother. Just tell me what the soldier yes. did as well. Yeah, well. Well, they came up and asked me to take him to lemon drop, you see. And I said, sure, boys, jump in and start it out. That's why one of them leaned over in the seat began to ask questions about the car. I guess he'd never driven a car and wanted to lend, you see. And I told him I'd teach him for $5. I've had quite a few people want to lend, you know. I think everybody should lend to drive a car, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. Now, what did the soldier do? Oh, uh, well, this guy wanted to know all about the gear shifts and stuff, and I answered his question for a while. But when we got to National City, uh, he told me to take a shortcut down the road, see? And I knew there wasn't a shortcut, and I got suspicious, and I stalled my motor. I stalled my motor, see? And I just pulled the choke out and stalled. He <laughs> didn't catch on. I guess they put it in some cars, all right. I think they'd have seen him for a joke, wouldn't you? Oh, yes. Then what happened? Well, I was scared. Oh, I was scared, but I didn't let them know, sir. I, didn't let them... I told them that I had engine trouble. I said, I guess we better go back, boys. And they didn't uh, say anything, so I turned around and come back. Well, uh, when we got within the city limits, they said they wanted to get out, and I said, oh, I suppose I'll take you right back where I took the couple, and so I said, you need to know your friends what you don't get, they wouldn't hear of it, so I left them out the edge of the city. They said they'd take the streetcar and the rest of the way. Well, I was willing to drive them back downtown, because I had to go there anyway, but, heh, <laughs> yeah, they just got out. Uh, don't you think you could identify them if you saw them again? Well, do you think that the ones who did it? You're right, you know, and they're both young. But they didn't look like they'd do anything like that. Yeah, I was a little suspicious at times. I didn't think they'd kill nobody. If I thought that, you know what I'd done? I'd call the police. That's what. They were young. And they said, listen, now, they said they were from that 157th infantry. That's it. Oh, I've seen worse with the men. Oh, well, I wait just a minute, Mr. Register. Isn't there anything special you can remember about them? Well, let me see. Of course, I didn't see him much, you know, because in the back seat, only one of them, not just one of them, because he was the oldest one I'd seen. He said, oh, and low boys had awful low boys. So there's Matt. He knows McCray. you want to talk to him? I'll call him over to you. Yeah, I'll call him. Hey, Matt! Matt! Yeah. I, I don't think he knows anything about it. He's a pretty good friend of McCrary. Come in, Matt Harley. Paul McCrary. I didn't think nobody would want to hurt him. Hello, Matt. Say, McCrary was killed last night. This is a detective. I was telling about how everybody liked him. McCrary killed? Well, I was just talking to him last night. Why, oh, that's awful. You saw him last night? Well, yeah. We said they'd find talk for a while. What sort of a car did McCrary drive? A Dodge. Dodge turn car. Well, now, did you happen to see two soldiers around while you were there? Yeah. He came up and hired his car while I was talking to him. Do you know who did it? No, no. We're trying to find out. Well, you tell me what these soldiers did. Well, like I said, we were standing there, and they came up and asked Frank how long it would take to drive over to Lemon Grove, and he said it would take about an hour and a half, and they said it'd be fine, and jump in the back seat and go down Fifth Street. Mm-hmm. But what time was that? Well, I'd been to the show. It was about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, just doesn't seem right not to have Paul Frank around no more. Oh, I'd like to lay my hands on Just a moment. Do, uh, do either of you know if McCleary carried much money around with him? Well, I, oh, I don't think so. None of us carry much more, you know, and just enough to make changes in state these times. You never know. I never carry anything but a few tools on my front seat. Frank used to carry a lap robe in his. I, I never do that. You know, I remember one time... Minute, that you say you carried a lap robe? Yeah, I remember. It was a bright colored one. Blue and red check. Oh, that may help. Now, look, Matt, do you think you could tell them if you saw them again? Well, sure, I'll tell them in a minute. I've got to get memories of faces. They were young, and both of them were dark. The older one, the one who did all the talking, had sharp features, and the young one had flat features. He was shorter. Mm-hmm. Remember anything else? Hey, listen, did the one who did the talking have a low voice, Matt? Low yeah, voice? that's right. He had a deep, deep voice. They must be the same one. I remember the boys. So, did they get, you, get out with you, too? Yeah, only I got suspicious and turned around when I was out in National City. Gee. Yeah, and supposing I had you turned around, maybe McCrary would be talking to you, and I'd be laying out there with a hole in my head. A short time later, Myers and Kelly, who were heading east on the road where McCrary was found, called their office in San Diego. Learn what has been discovered there. Learn that the two men they are following are soldiers. One with an exceptionally low-pitched voice. That they are traveling in a dark shooting car. Turn to the brightly colored lap robe. The big clues, as you finish on the road, take to the suspect. The speed to Imperial Valley. The 
up law officer in probation. The foreman of the railroad construction gang reports that he has seen a dark building car parked on the side of the road with two soldiers working on the motor. The men rush to the top, finding nothing but a few footprints and an oily rag. Realizing, however, that they're on the right track and that the men have lost time, they speak well central. Go to the sheriff of Imperial County, James Applesworth, to request his cooperation. Sheriff, we followed these men from San Diego. We're sure we were on the right track. In fact, we found traces of them just a few miles outside of El Centro. But we're going to have to have help now. You see, there's so many places that might go from here that, well, it would be next to impossible for two men to accomplish anything. We know we're close to them because they had engine trouble. We've got to have help now. Well, I'll be glad to do all I can, boys. Now, if the men you're trailing are the murderers, they'll undoubtedly head for the Mexican border. Are you sure they're in uniform? Well, they've been identified as soldiers by everyone we've talked to. Well, in that case, they'll have a hard time getting into Arizona. Well, I think the logical place to look for them is along the border. I'll call to Mexico and have the officers from there make all the border points. Sheriff, Mr. Price outside and wants to see you. All right, send them in. Yes, sir. Now, get that call in. Uh, can you think of any additional dope on those men? No, I think you have it all. Okay, I'll pass it along. Yes, sir. And get me the collector dope, please. Yes, sir. Oh, hello, Price. I'll be right with you. Oh, there's no hurry. Collector dope, please. Johnson, Hello, Johnson. Apple still speaking. Oh, hello, John. Yes, uh, I'd like to have you cover the border road for me and help me pick up some men, Johnson. Now, here's a description. There are two of them, both in Army uniforms, 157th Infantry. Both dark. One has a very low-pitched voice. Huh? Yes, yes, that's right, a low-pitched voice. Yeah, both young. They're driving a dark touring car. And that's all we have on them. Well, keep our eyes open, sir. All right, we'd like to get them. They're killers. Uh, let me know as soon as anything develops. What's all this about, Sheriff? These men in the dodge. Uh, a couple of men who committed a murder in San Diego are in this vicinity. Did you think they were in a dodge touring car? Yeah, that's right. Why? Because I passed a car like that on my way into town just a few minutes ago, parked on the side of the road. <laughs> up this bit of unexpected information, Captain Myers and Detective Kelly, led by Bright, are soon examining the car, which is a ruin. A brightly colored lap robe positively identifies it as belonging to McCrary. The spot where it is found is only a few hundred yards from the international border, which is unguarded at this point. But one conclusion is left. The fugitives have crossed the border into the Republic of Mexico. After a short conference, Myers and Kelly decide to continue after them personally. Hurried plans are made. And Deputy Sheriff Henry Gonzalez, well known along the border, is summoned. Gonzalez, you probably know better than we do what we're going to get into down there. Well, from now on, everything depends on luck. We may get help from the officials, and we may not. No matter what happens, we're going to do everything we can to get those men. I will do everything I can to help. <laughs> On the morning of January 11, 1918, the three men crossed the border, speed along the nearly impassable Mexican road. Suddenly, with no warning, the car comes to a stuttering halt and refuses to start again. Surrounded by an inquisitive group of natives, Myers at the wheel listens to the discouraging sound of a laboring stop. Looks like we're through with the car. Sure it is. I'll try it once more. Yeah, go ahead. Give it 
Rockies all through, I guess. No fooling. Gonzalez, see if anyone in this crowd has horses that we can buy. Please, I try.
Now, Billy, you go out to Camp Carney. Gather every single article you can find that belonged to either of these men and bring them in. Right. We've got a little more to work with now. Check up on the Army records, too. Three hours later, the officer returns. Well, how'd it go, Kelly? Oh, not so hot. They made a good job of it. They destroyed every bit of writing they had except these three cards. Wait a minute, last line. Here they are. They're so dirty, you can hardly read them. What are their names? Well, William B. Griffin and Horace St. John Clark. St. John, huh? That's a good one. Yeah. Clark enlisted at Parkdale, Colorado, and Griffin at Denver. Let me see those cards. Can you make anything out of them? Yeah, I made a name out of one of them, but you better check it and see that one. Gladys. Gladys Galbraith. I think that's it. Here's an address, 1900. 1900 South. 1900. Say, what's this? Park Hill, Tarpaulin. Park Hill, Tarpaulin. I've heard that before. Well, well, it doesn't mean a thing to me. Wait a minute, I've got it. I remember it's a car line in Denver. That's it. I didn't know that you ever been to Denver. I lived there for about three months. That's what it is, I'm sure of it. There must be an address there, too. Sure it is. I remember South Street now. Get me a clerk. I'll get a letter off the police in Denver and have them get a hold of this, Gladys Galbraith. The Denver police, on receipt of the letter, go to work at once. Detectives George E. and Henry J. Genty are sent to the address. And an hour later, they have Gladys Galbraith in their office, not questioning her. Oh, Gladys? Do you know two soldiers named Griffin and Clark? Yeah, I know Bill Griffin. Why? You heard from him lately? No, I'm married now, and I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to be bothered about him. Well, uh, where is he now, you know? No, I don't know where he is, and what's more, I wouldn't tell you if I did. What do you think of that? Well, if you don't know where he is, you can't help it. That's right. Can I go now? Sure, you can go. Thanks. What's the idea, she knows more than she's telling. I know that. We're going to keep our eyes on her and watch the mail. She thinks we're through with her. She'll be natural. You know, she'll keep on doing the things she usually does. Oh, I get it. And I'm just the boy to do it. So long. Two days passed and nothing developed. But on the third day, Jenny intercepts a letter addressed to Gladys Galbraith. And after one glance at the signature, she bursts in on Eve. Good. Let's have it. Hmm. Don't tell anyone I am here. My life wouldn't be worth a dime as you did. I am working at the John Smith Ranch, 12 miles from Fountain. Listen to this. Come to Fountain on Tuesday. We'll meet you there and we'll have the ranch payroll. We'll go to Mexico. I'll meet you at the corner of 3rd and Mill Street. Well, Jeffrey. Something tells me you and I are due for a little trip to the corner of Third and Street and Fountain. On the next day at 1.30, and gentlemen are in the little town of Fountain, standing on the corner of Third and Mill Street. Nice, quiet little town, eh? Yeah. How are we supposed to pick out these guys when there isn't anybody on the street? Well, 
was no danger of any false arrest. That's one thing. And he took a look now. But I think our men are walking this way. And he's looking around as if he's expecting somebody. Let's just slip around the corner here and see if they stop him. Featured article, 
Star interviews and many interesting news stories. Make it a point to drive into an independent Rio Grande service station tomorrow and get police car performance in your own car. Please calling all cars. Attention, all cars. Cancellation broadcast 172. Regarding a murder and a robbery. Suspects in this case now in custody. That's all.